1: listening to all the books a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases this is episode number 11 and today we're talking about books released on July 21st 2015. I'm Liberty Hardy here with my fellow wool Redhead Rebecca Shinsky and we're coming to you from book we go to 11.
0: We do, man. It feels like we've been doing this for so much longer than eleven weeks, though.
1: Really? See, I feel like we just started.
0: Uh, I feel like maybe it's because we've been talking about books together for so many years now that it just is like this natural extension. But every time that Thursday rolls around, when we re- we since we do all of our recordings on Thursday, I'm always like, "Oh, it's Thursday again." Yeah,
1: it happens so quickly, so quickly. <laughs> Speaking of quickly, I just wanted to tell you something very quickly. Uh-huh. I I picked my audio book. You did. What are you I gonna did. do? I really appreciate all the suggestions that everyone sent me. A lot of them I had already read before, and I was like, oh, well, I want to read something or I want to listen to something that I haven't, you know, heard uh, read before. But then I went and I picked something that I had read. You know how I was saying last week how I heard that Bronson Pinchot had done yeah, audio yeah. Cousin including Belky. yeah, cousin Belky. He did. You know that he did the audio for Matterhorn. Oh. Right? Totally so sold. I was looking up books that he had been the narrator for, and I ended up picking The Eyes of the Dragon by Stephen King because that was like my favorite book when I was little, and it's my favorite Stephen King. And I was like, I want to hear him do this. So I just started it. It's very exciting. So
0: you're not going to listen to like 900 hours of Brons- Bronson Pinchot reading Matterhorn? I could, maybe after. You- You could. Man, Matterhorn, I think would just, it made me cry in print. I think listening to it would just make me a total wreck. I loved that book so much, but it's rough.
1: Yeah, it's so good. If you've not
0: read it, Matterhorn is a really excellent novel of the Vietnam War by Carl Marlantes.
1: Yes, highly recommended. So (laughs) speaking of highly recommended, would you like to hear about my first book? Please tell me. You can always tell like which book I'm the most excited about because it's always the first one that I talk about because I, I just can't. Like, hold still, I can't keep it in. Um, And this is not an expression I wield lightly, but I could not be more excited if I swallowed a cat and broke out in kittens. (laughs) This book is so great. And it's called Fowlsham by Edward Carey. And it is the second in a trilogy. Um, And Edward Carey not only writes these books, but he illustrates them with these incredible, unusual drawings. The basic idea of of this like series it's kind of like tim burton meets downton abbey and that's exactly
0: what it looks like
1: yeah but like even more awesome than that so this the falsham is the second book in the trilogy it's the continuing story of claude iremonger and the heap house uh heap house is like this crazy mc escher mansion that sits literally in the middle of a vast junkyard and the family's wealth comes from junk and scrap And nobody else wants to deal with it. The family does. They make all their money from this. It's this this really bizarre, eccentric family that lives in this house. Like, the house is so big and weird. Like, people, you know, family members go forever. Like, not seeing each other. Not meeting. Um, Cousins marry cousins. It's just kind of, like, expected. It's this whole strange thing. And downstairs, where the servants live... um, there, there was a new in the first book. There was a new servant named Lucy Pennant, and she had been sent there to work as a maid, and she was not really all that happy about it. Um, and Claude meets Lucy, and it kind of derails his family's plan for him to marry his cousin uh, Penelope, I think her name was. She's really unpleasant. Um, and so now it's like all this turmoil. The wedding might be off. Um, and in the second book, you learn more about their story. You also learn more about their birth objects. Each iremonger carries a birth object claude's is a bath plug and he he can he can yeah it's a bath plug he can hear so delightfully weird (laughs) it's such a good book it's so good he can hear not only his bath plug but the other objects that the family members carry around in heap house he can hear them speaking to him which kind of sets him apart from the other family members i think he's very strange um but the the objects only ever say names like claude's bath plug says james henry hayward James Henry Hayward like over and over to him and he doesn't know why he just knows that they have names um, so there was a lot of upheaval at the end of the first book and now you find out like in the second book like what becomes of Lucy and Claude and you get more background on the Ironmonger family um, it's so delightfully weird and amazing just so much fun the third book is called Lungdon, and it comes out in November and I'm 100% behind releasing books in a series you know, as soon as you possibly can, like if it's a vi- if they're available, if they're if they're written, because um, I just I read so much. I'm like, wait, what was that? What happened here? So like with Joelle Charbonneau's t- uh, testing trilogy, they released it like one after another, like every six months. And they work. did that
0: with the Annihilation trilogy, too. Right. Yeah. Uh, or um, what was it? The Southern Reach trilogy. Southern
1: Reach. Yeah. Like if you can do it, I say go for it because people, you know, want to remember things. Um, you know like I read a, a sequel like years later and I'm like okay so uh, let me see Amy was the one who could you know communicate with the vampires telepathically but I don't remember like which position she played on the Quidditch team like I don't remember the details like I don't know no me um, neither. so I highly recommend if publishers are listening you know trilogies boom 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 one after the other anyway that was called Fowlstrom by Edward Carey
0: that sounds so great Uh, Before I get into my first pick, we want to thank our first sponsor this week. Man by Kim Thuy is back. Uh, This is a story about a Vietnamese woman named Man. She has three mothers, uh, the one who gives birth to her in wartime, the nun who plucks her from a vegetable garden, and her beloved Mama, who becomes a spy in order to survive. Mama is seeking to help uh, her grown daughter Man survive and The way that she does that is she finds her a husband. A man marries a lonely Vietnamese restaurateur who lives in Montreal. And so she has to move from Vietnam to Montreal to be with him. She's thrown into this new world. And while she's there, she discovers that she has a natural talent as a chef. Um, As she practices her art, you know, food becomes her new medium. She creates dishes that are more than just sustaining uh, for the body. They evoke memory and emotion, time and place, and they're even known to bring her customers to tears. She's very mysterious. Her name means perfect fulfillment, but her relationship with her husband just kind of drips along. It seems to be mostly a marriage out of duty. And then she encounters a married man, a married chef, in Paris, uh, and everything changes in the instant of a fleeting touch, and man discovers the all-encompassing obsession and the ever-present dangers of a love affair." Uh, this book was selected by Barnes & Noble for their Discover pick, which is a really big deal. Uh, so you're going to be able to see it featured in Barnes & Noble stores across the country. In Canada, Kim Twee, which is spelled T-H-U-Y, uh, is very well known and has won just about every major award there is, including the Gover- Gen- Governor General's Award for the Best Fiction Book. Uh, and her debut novel, Rue, which Liberty has but has not read yet, uh, won... <laughs> It won Canada Reads this past year. And that's a program that selects one book that all of Canada should be reading. Uh, So very well known author in Canada, who's telling transcontinental stories about uh, Vietnamese, the Vietnamese experience and an immigrant experience moving from Vietnam to Montreal, uh, that now we are getting to Read and learn more about in the US. Man is spelled M A N. There's a little tilde over the A. If you go looking for it, uh, we will have a link in the show notes where you can get more information or you can find Man, obviously at Barnes and Noble on their Discover Pick or wherever books are sold. And please let us know if you do pick it up. Send us a tweet and uh, let us know that you've read it or you've picked it up and how you are liking it. So thanks again to them for sponsoring. We're really happy to have them back this week.
1: One of our listeners tweeted us a picture. He picked it up. Yes,
0: he did. We'll Hi, have to Eric. make him.
1: Yes, Eric. We'll have to make him write a book report.
0: Oh, yeah. Would we gain or <laughs> lose listeners if we required people to email us book reports?
1: We'd I don't probably know. lose listeners. I always liked doing them, but that's just me. Maybe
0: <laughs> I could assign that, you I some do. book reports. Yes.
1: That, no, that would cut into my reading time. What am I saying? Tell me about your next book.
0: (laughs) My first pick this week is called Lovers on All Saints Day. It's a collection of short stories by Juan Gabriel Vasquez. Um, I remember hearing Vasquez's name all over the place a year or two ago when his novel The Sound of Things Falling was just going bonkers here in the U.S. Uh, He's a Latin American writer. He's from Colombia, but he's lived his life in Europe and likes to set his stories there. Um, So this collection, Lovers on All Saints Day, is the first time that many of his stories have been available in English, the first time that they've been translated and sold here. Um, I tend to like my short stories with a really heavy dose of weird. I know we've talked about that in the last 10 episodes more than once. Um, But I also really love short stories that are just fully grounded in real life. um, And that can capture people's whole lives with like one very observant uh, uh, sentence or, you know, one very cutting insight. And Juan Gabriel Vasquez is of that kind of writer. These are stories about relationships, affairs, heartbreak, betrayal, hope and trust and broken trust. And they're so wonderful. Um, They're set uh, like I said, in Europe, many of them sort of in the like British countryside where people are hunting in damp weather with hounds and old couples find out that affairs were taking place and secrets were being kept. And, uh, you know, there are like late night visits to leave notes on people's mailboxes. It's very quiet, um, but these these stories have this propulsive quality to them. Um, the book kind of came to me late. I only got it a week or two ago, and my plan was re- Read one story from it a day through the following week so I could get ready for the show. But I found that as I sat down to read it, one story turned into two turned into three turned into four. And it was just a, like a two sitting read for me. I really, really loved it. Uh, so if you're looking to if you first off, if you read The Sound of Things Falling, and you loved it. Good news for you, because now you can read Vasquez's short stories. If you're looking to read more international writers, uh, which is one of my goals for the year, this is an excellent entry into, uh, into that category for you. And just a great new voice. I'm really pleased that I have gotten to experience Juan Gabriel Vasquez's voice, and I will certainly be reading more of him in the future. So the collection, again, is called Lovers on All Saints Day.
1: It's, he's great. His novel is fantastic. I haven't read the stories yet, but I it was one of those really cases do.
0: where, like, I feel like, oh man, how did I miss out on him all right, so far? And I'm glad that I'm catching up.
1: So, the next book I'm going to talk about is called Barbarian Days A Surfing Life by William Finnegan. Or if you're looking at my copy, it's William Finnega because my cat Malay chewed the corner off the cover. And so, because she's like just the worst. Um, anyway, <laughs> that just, book does not need more cats. <laughs> it does not need more cats. No, um, just to let you know right now, there are no stories about you know, surfers wearing presidential masks and robbing banks. So just to get that out of the way now so no one's (laughs) disappointed before they pick it up. Um, But this is one of the reasons I love curating the new release newsletter and doing the podcast because I try to read as many new releases as I can regardless of subject, like regardless of if if I thought it was something I would be interested in. So I end up reading things that I might not necessarily have picked up on my own without a glowing recommendation from someone. Um, Like this is one of those books. Like it's, it's an amazing book, but I don't surf. I'm not really a fan of the beach. I'm not really a fan of going outside. Yeah, the gingers, day. we have a hard time at the beach. <laughs> yeah, not not ginger conducive. Um, but I really enjoyed this book. So Barbarian Days, at a first glance, is Finnegan's memoir about his obsession with surfing. Uh, he was raised in California and Hawaii, which, if you want to surf, is probably the best place to be raised, um, better than like if you're raised in Ohio or Idaho. Makes it a little bit harder. Um, he has traveled all over the world chasing waves, which reminded me, of of course, of Patrick Swayze. And chasing waterfalls? <laughs> no, no chasing waterfalls. Um, but he's gone to, like, all these amazing locations, like Australia and Fiji. Um, and in, when he was younger, he became a writer and a war reporter and became very well known for that. Um, and this book also gives a detailed account of growing up during the political and social upheaval of the 60s. Like with the drugs and the war and the music and the beach scene and everything that was going on, uh, it's also a really great look at the different customs and landscapes of different countries and a look at the sport, like surfing itself. You know, it's sometimes dangerous and not many people embrace it. You know, it's not like a hugely popular sport. Um, but Finnegan describes a side of surfing that makes it sound really enchanting. Like I was like, I I want to go surfing. Terrified of sharks. Don't like the ocean. You know, and I was like, I could go surfing. No. You could totally go surfing. Yeah. If something happens to me, do you think he can be held accountable? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, or now can we make a list of uh, crazy things that we've done, like the book made me do it, and then hold those authors accountable?
1: Oh, yeah, that would be so much fun. We should try and come up with a list. Please tweet at me. Tell me the crazy things you've done because the book made you do it. Um, so, yes, this is a fantastic memoir. Again, it's called Barbarian Days by William Finnegan, and I highly recommend it.
0: Yay! Maybe after we order our cat suits for Book Riot Live, we can order wetsuits to go. <laughs>
1: what? Wait, they should just double. Right? They, should. Like, they just double it.
0: They're just be rubberized cat suits that we can break into buildings and also go surfing in.
1: That's so awesome! <laughs> We're gonna make a million dollars.
0: Yeah, everyone needs a rubberized cat suit for burglary and surfing. No totally. one would
1: ever expect you to escape on a surfboard. <laughs> Be like, they just jumped in the water yeah. and we're gone.
0: I want a comic book about us, and I want us to escape from our first bank robbery by like busting open a fire hydrant and then surfing away.
1: I don't think you would get very far on a fire hydrant. <laughs> small wave, very small. Okay, well,
0: this is a brand new idea and it needs some workshopping. Okay. Okay. Uh, My next pick this week is The Land of Love and Drowning by Tiffany Yannick. It's out in paperback. This was my favorite book of 2014 that is on the record in many places. Favorite, favorite, favorite. Uh, It's set in the Virgin Islands. It begins near Transfer Day, which is when the Virgin Islands transferred in ownership from the British to the United States. Um, It's about a pair of sisters who are left orphaned after an accident, takes their parents. They have to fend for themselves. Uh, And it turns out they also have a half-brother that they never knew because they're – dad had a side piece. Um, Is that appropriate? I don't know, but I'm saying it anyway. (laughs) 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 Um, So there are some family secrets to contend with. Uh, There is a touch of magic. Uh, The book, I remember when it was first coming out, people were talking about magic realism in her writing. And there are definitely echoes of, to- of some early Toni Morrison. In Land of Love and Drowning, there are a few echoes of Gabriel Garcia Marquez, but you kind of have to say his name when you talk about magic realism. But also Yannick's voice is wholly original. This was a story that felt like nothing else to me. It's also about myth and place and how the places that we are from and the stories of those places shape us and shape our lives and the interconnectedness of of individuals with world history um, some major events in world history and in the Virgin Islands history occur over the decades that we see in the book there's this r- just really lovely rhythm to Tiffany Yannick's language and it's so atmospheric you can feel that like heavy warm island air um, and sort of hear the lilt of the people's voices as they're speaking in the book um, it's also difficult. There are some really difficult things that come up. Um, difficult subject matter, not difficult to read the language. Um, but I remember reading it and sitting on the couch and like holding my breath, realizing that I'd been that I hadn't breathed in like twenty pages. But that that was really enjoyable. Uh, it's it's just really lovely and unlike anything that I had read before. Um, I'm so glad it's out in paperback. I think it would be an excellent book club book. There's tons to discuss. Also a great thing to take with you on a trip this summer. Uh, so. Land of Love and Drowning by Tiffany Yannick, which is spelled Y-A-N-I-Q-U-E.
1: Well, now tell us something else exciting.
0: Uh, Do you want to hear about how Book Riot Live is our second sponsor of the show this week? Yes, I do. Yay. So if you are new to all the books, or maybe you just need to be persuaded by hearing us talk about it again, uh, Book Riot is throwing our first event, our first live event on November 7th and 8th in New York City this year. It's called Book Riot Live. And we will have authors, we're having publishing industry, you know, insiders like agents and editors and book designers, people who are professional book lovers whose lives are work are book adjacent, but who aren't involved in the production of books. Like we've got a person from Lambda Literary and a person from the Harry Potter Alliance and all kinds of other great, interesting people are coming to speak. We will be there. We're going to do a live edition of this show. Uh, There will be live versions of all of our podcasts. There will be games. There is a fancy cocktail party in the Rare Book Room at the Strand Bookstore, which is beautiful uh, and totally worth coming to. It's going to be a blast. So you the Book Riot crew, fifteen hundred fellow book lovers, all sorts of amazing authors and publishing folks for the range of stuff that Book Riot does. There will be silly things, there will be serious things, uh, there will be panels about how books get made, there will be panels about issues in the reading life uh, in contemporary culture, all kinds of stuff. Um, and oh, and Margaret Atwood is going to be there. Yeah. Which- we're very excited about uh, and we'll talk about her more in a minute. I know you are super excited. I want
1: to I want to say it. Can I say it? Yeah, yeah, you should okay. say it. We just announced that appearing at Book Riot live will be Alexander Chi. Woo 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 woo. He is one of my favorite humans on the planet. He's just so fantastic. If you're not familiar with him, look him up right now. He's so great. He is an author He is a teacher. He is just an all-around amazing human. He's so, so, so smart, and he's going to be joining us. Um, He wrote an incredible novel back in 2002, or it was published in 2002. I can't say that he actually wrote it then. Um, It was called Edinburgh, and it was about a young boy named Fee who lived in Maine, and he was in this boy's choir, um, and the director of the choir was a serial pedophile, and it was like this really sad, intense book. Um, that follows Fee as he grows up and struggles with his demons and his shame and his guilt. And uh, he meets somebody really wonderful as an adult and and tries to work through this. The description made me think, like, the description of A Little Life made me think of of this book. Like, when mm -hmm. I first heard it, I was like, yeah, okay, it's like that um but alexander cheese long-awaited greatly anticipated second novel comes out in february it's called it's
0: so anticipated that you oh. made a countdown clock for i did it, like, i made a, countdown a long clock. time ago
1: <laughs> i'll put the countdown clock in the show notes like it, it, i think as of today there's only 200 days left until it comes out i looked at it this morning um But this novel is called The Queen of the Night, and it's this big, gorgeous novel about a legendary singer with the Paris Opera um, and how she gets the role of a lifetime. But it's also this wonderful historical mystery. This book is so great. Like, if it does not do well, if Queen of the Night does not do well, I will eat James Patterson. Okay? That is how (laughs) confident I am that the book is going to do well. (laughs) So, that, yeah. So, I'm so excited. So, I've already said it 500 times. I won't say it again. But, Alexander Chi, Look him up come to Book Riot Live, meet him, see him, jump up and down, and wave your arms. Yes.
0: And since it's kind of a slow week, I think this is the slowest week for new book releases uh, that we've had doing the show, we thought that we would talk about some of our other people that we're excited about who are going to be at Book Riot Live and some of the books that we recommend. uh, Because we just love these people, but especially if you're thinking about coming to Book Riot Live, things that you can pick up and read or you can check out before the event. So I guess I should say before we do that, that if you want to come, you should go to bookriotlive.com to get your tickets and to see the full lineup of people who will be speaking uh, and also to continue uh, to get on the list so that you can receive announcements as we continue rolling out the speakers. We have lots of uh, great people that we are working with that we haven't been able to tell you about yet, but that are coming soon. So you want to see those announcements and you can get $20 off your ticket when you use the code MORECATS, which is just for all the book's listeners. More accesses. So. Uh, I talked about book adjacent people. And um, one of the speakers that we're having at Book Riot Live that I'm so excited to introduce more to our Book Riot family is Danielle Henderson. Uh, she's a teacher. She's a writer. She is a feminist thinker. And she's the creator of Feminist Ryan Gosling, which is the Tumblr that had the great photos of Ryan Gosling that were like, hey, girl, keep your laws off my body. Um, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> except, so funny. But like way cleverer than that, because she is way cleverer than I am. Uh, and there were like Ryan Gosling quoting, you know, very high feminist theory things, but also just really funny, uh, you know, catchy memes about feminism and books. And then that that Tumblr became a book. So Danielle is also an author. Um, If you read the Bitch Planet comic by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Val Delandro, she wrote one of the the, each issue of it comes with a great essay in the back by a feminist thinker. And she wrote one of those. It's also really wonderful. Uh, She is a great, funny, smart, interesting human, uh, and will be Certainly saying great, funny, smart, interesting things at Book Riot Live about, no doubt, Ryan Gosling and feminism and turning something from the internet into a book uh, and who knows what else. Uh, I've uh, gotten to meet her a few times. She's really wonderful and you want to meet her too.
1: Speaking of awesome feminists and fabulous people, another person who will be joining us is Lori Halls Anderson, another amazing, amazing human. Mm-hmm, We're just a big deal. Yeah um she is i i I say this and i think i'm correct she is one of the most important writers working today um winter girls her uh, young adult novel it was the first young adult novel i read as an adult i think and i i was like holy cats this is terrifying like being a teenager is terrifying yeah
0: she is not afraid of the big difficult issues
1: like i read lois duncan as a kid and, you know, she was wonderful and she was scary, but she was, like, put your math teacher in a hole in the ground kind of scary. Like, not, like, real life scary, you know? like Eat James Patterson. <laughs> not, like, unrealistic scary. I mean, she, like, she tackles really serious subjects like self-injury and drug abuse and rape. Um, she writes these really intense, amazing books that are relevant to teenagers and to adults. And she also writes amazing historical fiction. Um, she also wins all the awards. I think she just wins rightfully er, like, so all the time. Um, you might know some of her books. Her first novel was called Speak, uh, and then she's written Chains, Forge. Uh, the sequel to those two is called Ashes, which comes out soon, I believe. Uh, she also most recently wrote The Impossible Knife of Memory. Um, she's just this amazing human, and she's smart, and she has important things to say about the world today, both for teens and adults
0: yay! Man, I'm just gonna make yay happy sounds.
1: Yeah, that's Uh, where I'm at today. More like noises than words. Happiness noises. (laughs) Yes.
0: Let's just do that for a little bit. Um, One of our house favorite authors at Book Riot for probably as long, about as long as the site has been running, we have been talking about Sarah McLean. Uh, She doesn't have a new book out for another several months. So I'm just going to take this opportunity to talk about her on the show. She is my favorite romance writer, the first romance writer that uh, whose work got me to understand what romance is at its best and what it can be um, and that romance can be feminist, that you can have strong female characters. I had so many like backwards stereotype ideas about what romance novels were before I ever bothered to read them. You know, I was just like walking around thinking that I was never going to be a romance reader because I was too snooty for that. And I am so glad that our good friend Jen Northington set me right and put me on the path to Sarah McLean. Uh, The first book in her latest series is called A Rogue by Any Other Name. There are four books in the series, and each one centers on a young woman. These are Regency romances. So like lords and ladies marrying each other for their land, essentially in Britain. Uh, but of course, all these people marry each other for love and for all of their steamy moments that they can have together. Um, each book in those series focuses on one of the owners of London's most exclusive gambling hall, which is called The Fallen Angel. And it's dark in there and like everything is very lush and there are secret tunnels and pathways that lead to rooms that no one knows about and these men are very roguish like the title would say and of course the ladies are supposed to be very ladylike but they really want to have some experiences before they get married uh, and enjoy their own sexuality and Sarah's writing is just so awesome and so much fun. Uh, There are no euphemisms, no weird euphemisms for body parts as does happen sometimes in romance and used to happen a lot more in romance I appreciate that you don't have to get on board with like calling something a man root in order to (laughs) which I have read before uh, to to get down with her if you've never read romance but you're open to the possibility pick up a rogue by any other name by Sarah McLean if you love romance and you have somehow not read her you definitely want to write that wrong. Uh, and then she'll be at Book Riot Live to talk about romance and all kinds of other things. She's wonderful. All of these people are like wonderful and funny and smart, and they write great books uh, that make our reading lives richer. And Sarah does have a new book coming out in December, so I'll get to talk about her again then.
1: I just recently volunteered at our local library. I think I've, I might have mentioned this before. And, like, the first day that I was there, I had to shelve something over in the M's, and I went over, and they had all of the Sarah McLeans, and I was like, I've made the right decision. (laughs) This is the right library. This is the right place for me. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the person, I'm afraid, you know, no offense to anybody else that we just talked about, but the person that I am probably the most excited about, and I know you probably are, too, Mm -hmm. has to be Margaret Atwood. Yes. Has to be. Has. If you've not read her, oh, my goodness. (laughs) She's she's amazing. I mean, I think I've said that word like 500 times today. Excited and amazing. Um, she writes in like all the genres. Yeah. Yeah. But my favorite of hers uh, is Cat's Eye. I don't know if you've read Cat's Eye. But, I have not read Cat's Eye. Oh, yeah. I read it when I was a teenager and I was like, oh, so it's not just me that girls are mean to. Like, this happens all the time. And then I saw Heathers and then everything. My whole life changed. But... <laughs> Like, Cat's Eye is – it's basically, like, about how horribly mean teen girls are to one another. It's also, like, about this woman when she grows up and she becomes a painter and her complicated relationships. But um, I just – it just opened my eyes, and I was like, okay, I'm not alone. I love that book.
0: Uh, My favorite is The Handmaid's Tale, and it's – she wrote it in the 80s. It's set in a like future, basically future North America, but North America has been taken over as a theocracy where women don't really have any rights. And the main character Offred is a birth, her job is basically to be a birth mother for um, rich powerful men whose wives either can't or don't want to have children on their own. It's her job to get pregnant by those men and then to give them a family and then move on to the next family for whom she can deliver a child. It is horrifying uh, and very. it feels very prescient Now, um, some of the you can see where Atwood, the place Atwood was writing from in the 80s, and what was happening with reproductive rights, um, the conversation that was happening around them in the United States, we're still having a lot of those conversations. um, And a lot of the things that she was afraid of as she was writing the book are things that um, feminists and progressives and liberals are afraid of. Today, still, uh, that you could see might happen down the line, or that uh, people on the other side of the aisle want to have happen uh, it's man I, I think that it was the first book that really scared me in a real political sense um i've read it a few times since then uh, consistently people will like randomly tweet book riot about like oh i I know you guys love margaret atwood and i just read the handmaid's tale and i'm so scared and it's so good and how did she predict the future in this way Uh, she's just so forward thinking and uh the Handmaid's Tale feels as relevant now as it as I'm sure it did when it first came out. So I think that's a... If you want to go a different direction, then teenage girls are terrifying, which they totally are. Uh, that's my favorite one.
1: I don't know if this story was ever confirmed, but I, I'm not sure if you've ever heard this, but apparently when they were filming the movie version of Handmaid's Tale, they were shooting this scene with the gallows outside this fancy old church. And they were staging like this scene where they were hanging people And this couple came out of the church like they had just gotten married and they were less than (laughs) impressed to like see this like right outside the church where they were being married.
0: That's a great story.
1: I'm not sure. I can't remember if it's actually true or not, but it's a great story.
0: Maybe even if it's just apocryphal. That's a fun story. Yeah. Okay, Liv. So what are you going to read now?
1: I'm as soon as we are done here, I'm going to start this book because I just got it in the mail. I've been waiting for it. It's called Scream, Chilling Adventures in the Science of Fear by Margie Kerr and it's out at the end of september it's about how humans love a good scare like most people not everybody but lots of like why we like to be scared um margie is a sociologist and she talks about like our obsession with scary things um she talks about japan's obsession with drowned girls um, which I just learned is is a real thing. Like huh. I didn't, I thought that was just like the scary girl from the movies, but it's actually a real story. Um, I read this YA novel at the beginning of the year called "The Girl from the Well," and it's a true it's a true thing that happened at this palace. One of the servants was drowned in a well, and that's where that legend comes from. Um, Margie Care also visits haunted places, including the Scare House in Pittsburgh, which I'd never heard of before, but it's supposed to be one of the most haunted places in the country. Uh, and she conducted surveys, and she tries to find out about, you know, what scares us. It seems to be around sort of ghost-related. Um, me, I'm afraid of heights and horses and Martin Amos. But, you know, I may have to add ghosts to this after I read this book. Like he being like, there's no such thing as ghosts. There's no such thing as ghosts. But I don't know. Um, Colin Dickey is also writing a book about ghosts, and I'm super excited to read that because he is a super genius, and he writes, like, these mad smart books. So I'm really interested to hear his take on ghosts Well, Uh. just
0: don't stand in your bathroom and say Bloody Mary three times. Yeah. What are you going to read next? (laughs) I'm going to read. I am so excited about this book. I don't know that it gets any more in my wheelhouse than this. It's called The Social Sex, A History of Female Friendship by Marilyn Yalom and Teresa Donovan Brown. Uh, Basically... The like we kind of take the existence of bonds between women as given these days, and there is a lot of pop culture stuff around female friendships. But that's a relatively new social phenomenon. Like up until a couple of centuries ago, it was believed that only men had the emotional and intellectual capacity to develop and sustain meaningful friendships and relationships. So, which is let's just have a moment for how bonkers <laughs> that is. Um, but so this is Gallum looks at history literature philosophy religion pop culture she's a historian uh, and to look and she works with this woman Teresa Donovan Brown to look at how women were able to sort of take over the public face of friendship throughout the years and it chronicles the different attitudes about female friendship that have existed from like th- from the biblical times all the way forward and how that is uh, portrayed in culture and pop culture and sex in the city and bridesmaids and you know all sorts of stuff probably girls I imagine that there is a chapter on girls in here or at least a mention uh- I'm, to- I love, I- I'm totally fascinated. I love a good, like, micro history of a single thing. I love to read about uh, female friendships. That's a thing that I care a lot about, and I'm so interested in in this notion, first of all, that women's friendships are just a relatively new thing in social thought. Um, but, like, they're going to talk about the literary salon as the original book club and the phenomenon of gossip and the advent of women's sports, and I just, I'm, it's perfect. I'm really looking forward to that.
1: That hmm. Let's pour one out for men being the only ones who have friendships.
0: (laughs) Gone are the days.
1: (laughs) So that's it.
0: That's our show this week. Uh, thank you again to Man by Kim Twee for sponsoring. It was great to have them back. Again, you can pick that up wherever books are sold, and we'll have a link in the show notes. Please do let us know if you read it. You can drop us a line also at all the books at bookriot.com if you have thoughts or questions, or uh, if you have some advice for Liberty on where to start when she eats James Patterson. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> You can hit me up on Twitter at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is at Miss Liberty. And if you have a moment, if you like the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. We have 98 ratings here in the United States. That makes me very happy. I would love to see 100 after this show drops. That's so So exciting. It is. Yeah, you don't read them because you don't do internet reviews of things. But I'm keeping an eye out, and they are mostly very wonderful. So thank you to all of you who have done that for us so far.
1: And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we do not have the time. Uh, I've saved a lot of good ones for this week's newsletter. Um, you can read about more titles out today in the show notes at bookriot.com slash and as well as find the link to our weekly new books newsletter that I write and tell you about more books. And that's it. So happy reading. Happy reading.